0: Revelation 9, we're entering the fifth trumpet, and again, I understand that, especially if you never read the book, and I trust that you are reading through the book, it it makes it pretty easy, you know where I'm going, next week I'll be in the second part of Revelation 9, but again, to see the flow, but I would encourage you in this, that it's really not that hard um, oh, yes, there's a lot of symbolism. Yes, there's a lot of things that we don't know, but there's a lot of things that we do know. And really, the flow of the book is the flow of history. I mean, we looked at Revelation 1, that's past. Revelation 2 and 3, which are the seven churches, we're in it right now. Chapter 4 and 5, heaven. Six on, basically, to chapter 19 is the tribulation. That's future. Past, present, future. Okay? Okay. Past, present, future. And even as we go through Revelation chapter 6 through 19, it pretty much lays out sequentially. Now what he does is he'll give you a certain piece and then he'll bring you back to give you another subject. Like he'll look at the religious world, we're going to be looking at that, or God's Witnesses chapter 11, or the, uh, the economic situation. But basically the whole book, past, present, future. And he's just laying it out. And, and so I'd hope that you don't have a fear as we're looking at the book of Revelation, the fear in the sense of, I can't understand. No, no, we, a lot we can understand. There's going to be some things we don't. But again, a lot that we can understand. Now, as we come to the sealed judgments, I, I want to uh, answer a few questions. The first one is again, how are these, the sealed, trumpet, and bold judgments related? And this is a very important chart. Just have it in your mind. Now remember, Jesus took the scroll and he's opening up the seals, and we've already gone through the first six seals in uh, Revelation six. We are now on chapter uh, um, seal number seven. The seal has been opened, and within that seal is contained the trumpet judgments. Now we're going to be right here in uh, trumpet judgment number five. Once we get to trumpet number seven, that's going to contain the bold judgments, so they're sequential. They're uh, rapid fire, and uh, the bold judgments are going to be at the very end of the seven year period. How about the second question? Are the trumpet judgments symbolic or literal? Again, literal. The devastation will be so dreadful that no amount of government aid, relief effort, or advanced preparation will be able to bring recovery. And you say, but how do you know it's literal? Well, one of the indicators, there's a lot of indicators, but one of the indicators was from last week. Uh, Just go to chapter 8. And notice all the times it says a third. Like the first, look at 8 verse 7. And a third of the trees. And then it says, uh, verse 8, and a third of the sea, and it just, and he keeps going, third, 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 third of the ships. And again, it, it, it says that's specific, which means it points back to these are literal judgments. A number of commentators over the years have sought to say these are just symbolic. In fact, a lot of people would say these have already happened. But again, this is yet future. Uh, number three, how about this? Do... Uh, who are doing these judgments? Who's doing the judgments? Now, when it came to chapter 6, the sealed judgments, many of those were things that humans did. And, and if you go to chapter 6, I know you're in chapter 9, but chapter 6, if you go through the sealed judgments, like the first one is false peace, well, that was caused by Antichrist. We looked at that. And then in verse 3 is the second seal, that's war. Well, war was done by people, then famine because of result, and then death. Okay, Uh, Many of the sealed judgments, the first ones at least, are done by man. God allows man, God uses man to judge man. God uses man to judge man. Does God use unbelievers, does God use ungodly to judge others? Yeah. Unbelievers... Ungodly are just instruments in God's hands. You see a real good illustration of that of Nebuchadnezzar when Babylon conquered Israel, right? You know, and, and you see that over and over again, over and over again. Um, you know when he ransacked Jerusalem. So uh, God uses unbelievers, but here this is once we get into the trumpet judgments, this is this is God not using man, just God doing the trumpet judgments. God is the one that he is the direct source of the judgment. And and you might ask, well, how do you get that? Well, why do you say that? Well, first, because the trumpet judgment, just take the trumpet judgment. I like how one man said, the trumpet judgments are, quote, eerily similar, end quote, to the plagues of God. I mean, if you start looking at the uh, what's happening here, and you go back to Exodus, you're saying, "Boy, what God did to the Egyptians, now He's doing to the whole earth. What He did to the Egyptians, He's doing to the whole earth: fire, hail, you know, disa- disaster, uh, destruction, destruction of seed, uh, drinking water, seawater. You know, it's eerily similar." Uh, to the, the plagues. But the other thing is this. If you go over to chapter 11, verse 13. Go to eleven thirteen, when the When the judgments are happening, whether it's a trumpet or, or the bold judgments, look at how people respond. 11, verse 13. It says, uh, In the earthquake 7,000 people were killed. This is the second part. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. They knew where it came from. It was from God. Uh, go to chapter 16, verse 9. 16 verse 9. Um, again, this enters the bold judgments, the last, the final, the rapid fire at the very end of the tribulation period. In verse 9, and it says, And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. I'll go right over to verse 11. Or a couple of down, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. And then, verse twenty-one, men blasphemed God because of the plague of of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. So, during that time, the people who experienced it looked to God and said, "It's from you." (laughs) So, where are these plagues coming from? Uh, It's from God direct. The reason I say that is this. Some would say, well, okay, the plagues are happening because man has not been a good steward of this earth. Do you see how the connection point? We haven't been a good steward. God is now allowing us to go the the way, and that's just the consequences. What you see in the plagues are just the consequences of man not not being a good steward of this earth. No, no. It, it, It doesn't have to do with stewardship. It has to do with God's anger against unrighteousness. So... Uh, direct, they blame God. And then finally, the fourth question on your outline is, are the trumpet judgments in the first or second half of the tribulation? And again, I answered that last week, but I just want to make sure, uh, again, if this, and I, I, I go like this because let's say this is a seven-year period because the tribulation is seven years. And let's say this is a three-and-a-half-year period. <laughs> we know from uh, the, 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 the sealed judgments, especially the fourth one, that a quarter a quarter of the population is killed. A quarter, Revelation chapter six. A quarter. That's the first half. Now here, by the time you get to uh, the sixth judgment, uh, Revelation nine verse fifteen, it says this, and and released to kill a third of mankind. So back in the first, the first. Uh, half of the tribulation, a, th- uh, a quarter, 25% of humanity is killed. Now we find out of that remaining humanity, 75%, of a third of those are killed in this sixth judgment, this sixth trumpet. Well, if you add up a quarter and a third, that's more than a half, right? A half or more, right around a half? And yet Jesus said in Matthew 24... For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world. That includes the flood. Until this time, no, nor ever will be. And he's referring to the last three and a half years. The point is this. He says there's going to be a, the end is going to be horrific. It's going to be a great tribulation. Something that the world has never experienced. Even the flood, I mean the flood wiped off all, but but yet some were saved and it was, and, and it was, not as many people. All right? That was part of it too. Now there's what, almost 8 billion people. Is, is that true, around 8 billion? Is that true? Seven and a half, eight billion. 8 billion. So if, if, you, if you put the trumpet judgment on this side and say it's part of the first half, that means almost half of the population gets wiped out before even the Great Tribulation. <coughs> because of that, I see the trumpet judgments happening sometime right after the 3.5 years entering into the great tribulation. I believe these trumpet judgments are happening after the halfway point. Uh, Antichrist has broke the uh, <coughs> covenant with Israel. He has set up the uh, idol in the, in the tribulation temple. He has now sought to take over, and that's when these trumpet judgments are happening and the bold judgments. The last three and a half years, what Jesus called the, the great tribulation. In fact, Jesus said this, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Because we do know this, that at the end, there's going to be a group of people that do not die. Unbelievers are going to die, but there's going to be a whole group of people, including the 144,000. The Jewish nation is going to turn to God, and there's going to be, I believe, many, many Gentiles that are still living at the end of the tribulation that go right into the millennial. And it's going to be those people that have children in the millennial time. Because we know that in the millennium, there's going to be children and born. And I mean, they're going to have just like we do, okay? So think about this. The whole earth is destroyed. (coughs) Jesus comes back. Millennial uh, kingdom is set up. These people, these these redeemed, will then go into the the millennium. They start having kids, kids for a thousand years, populate the earth again. What happens at the end of the millennium? Another rebellion. That's why we know they're having kids because there's a rebellion at the end. Okay, uh, redeemed people are not going to rebel against God, but you have children. They have to get saved during the millennium. They have to, you know, they will have babies, get saved, but some of them won't get saved, and there'll be rebellion. So, okay. Great tribulation. This is where we are in the tribulation, right here, right past the three and a half. And and let's just look at the trumpets real quick, uh, the ones that we looked at last week. Uh, Again, this is found in chapter 8, starting in verse 7. You see the first, second, third, fourth trumpet. They're all against the earth. Ecological judgments against the earth from God. God is judging the earth. And the first is the literal land. In verse 7, the first angel sounded, and hail and fire fowl mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So again, that's the, that's the first judgment. He, he is judging the earth. Then God turns to the ocean, to the sea. Chapter, or verse 8, And the second angel sounded in something like a great mountain, an asteroid perhaps, burning with fire. It stays together and is thrown into the sea. So this massive uh, mountain, this massive land mass, this massive, uh, like I said, asteroid, is, is literally plunged into the sea. Now, now think of it as the size of, let's say, uh, Australia. And think of it dropping into the Atlantic. Poof! Yeah. I mean, think about the, uh, the massive wave that would be created. And so what it happens? And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Well that makes sense? You have that type of a tsunami that, you know a wave happen it 's going to destroy everything and then this, the third uh, then the third angel sounded verse ten, and a great star fell, except this one didn 't stay together, and this one didn 't affect the ocean; it affected the fresh water. so you have the land being judged, you have the ocean. And now you have the fresh water being um, being judged, and it was made bitter. See, because this great star, when it came into the Earth's atmosphere, was had like a torch, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. And what happened in the end? Men died from water because it was made bitter. Just so it apparently just had poison that just you know um, all over the Earth. And then finally, the fourth judge, uh, trumpet judgment. Now it's land. We' got the land, the, the ocean, the fresh water, and now we're going to God affects the heaven, and the heavens are darkened. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon and a third of the stars, and a third of them were darkened. And a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Now think about it when, if, if the, the sun is not shining. You know, like you go out and it's 30, let's say it's 30 30 degrees out and then, you know, at at 6.30 in the morning and by 10 o'clock the sun is shining and what, the the temperature has risen to what? You know, 55, 60, haven't we had a great spring? Uh, (laughs) But the point is, is this, when that happens, no, it stays cold. It stays cold. It's like like a mini ice age, at least for that moment, right, that time frame. But again, you keep asking, why? Why, God? Why do you judge? Because Romans 1 says this, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. I showed you that picture last week where the person's holding, save the planet, kill yourself. I, I found another one. Save the earth, Abort a child. Oh no, that's, that's the agenda. I mean, let's, you know, let's figure out what the agendas are here. Um, again, for those who have made a God of this earth, they've devalued huma- humanity, they've elevated plant and animals. Again, I believe that, that, um, that God is going to judge. By the way, it's not just because of them. It's because man is evil. Man is unrighteous. Man will not turn to God. And, and we have to understand this. Please see this. That even in God's judgment, there is tremendous mercy. Do not miss that. Because if you miss that, all you're seeing is an angry God. Well, he's angry. But there is tremendous mercy. Because do you see the sequence here? He gives this judgment. How are you going to respond? He gives another judgment. How are you going to respond? He gives a third judgment. How are you going to respond? God is calling people. There is going to be a huge amount of people that turn to God during this time. We know that because of the millennium. We know that because of what we looked at in Revelation chapter five. In chapter, yeah, five. You know, so th- there's going to be a huge turning. Now I'm not saying everyone. I'm saying, but a number, a huge part of humanity. When the pain comes, they're going to turn to God. They're not all going to blaspheme God. So God is patient. He could have just sent one. Tr- he could have sent one judgment, and just everybody's gone right? But he he does it sequentially, even in those, what is it? A third, a third, a third, a third. That means two-thirds are watching. So we have to remember, our God is very, very patient. And look at verse 13. Now the angel cries out, and I know last week I said it really loud, I won't, but woe, woe, woe. Three woes, three final woe judgments. But but notice, and if you haven't underlined it, you may want to, Whoa, whoa, woe, to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. That's the reason. Listen, now it's going to turn from the land and the sea and the rivers and the heavens to the inhabitants, okay? This fifth one, God turns his attention from the earth to the people who are living on the earth. And now we get into the fifth Fifth, judgment. You know what's hard for people to understand with all this? Men and women have bought into the, what they call the law of uniformity. What has been will be just going along. See, it's hard for humanity to wrap their, their uh, head around the fact that, that God is going to judge because what has been will always be. That's why it's so important for us to be able to preach and to teach and to point people towards the flood. Because what does the flood tell you? The law of uniformity is incorrect, right? Because there was a time that everybody was eating, drinking, and being merry, and then what did God do? He put eight people in a, in a major boat and sent them out, and all the world was destroyed. See, the law of uniformity doesn't hold true there, right? God, God worked supernaturally, miraculously, in a different way than what the, law, what the law said. See, God is going to have his way. That's the point. All right, let's, let's get to the fifth trumpet. Uh, again, chapter 9, verse 1. And again, this is the fifth angel sounded. So the, the next angel, he, they're ready. You have seven of them. The fifth one, the four have already done it. And again, th- that makes sense. This is sequential. This is easy to understand. The fifth angel sounds. And let's uh, I'll tell you what. Let me read the whole passage to the end of verse 12. Then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him, now note, to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and the smoke arose out of the pit like smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power uh, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their heads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Now as I read verses 7 to pretty much 10, I want you to notice the word like. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. And their faces were like the face of men. They had hair like women's hair. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. (coughs) They had tails like scorpions. And there were stings in their tail, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek his name was Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Isn't that great? God says, listen, one woe, two more. You still have time to repent. You still have time to turn. Actually, you know, now, now I want you to put this in the context. Think about who's on the earth during these last three and a half years. The 144,000 witnesses, right? God had not, not only that, but the two witnesses and an angel preaching the everlasting gospel. We've put that together before. There's going to be an angel speaking from the sky, the everlasting gospel, Turn to God. You're going to have the two witnesses who literally can control the, uh, the environment around them and and can't be killed until God. In fact, the 144,000 can't be killed either because they're sealed. Now, what do you think they're going to be doing during this trumpet judgment? They're going to be looking. See, chapter 8, right there. Verse 7. Oh, verse 7 is done. Let's go to verse 9. Right? I mean, do you get the picture? They're going to be running around, and because it's all laid out in prophecy, they're going to be opening up the book, Revelation, right there it is, World, listen. God wants you to turn and repent. I think that's what creates the anger when it says they've blasphemed God. It's not that they're ignorant. The 144,000 is going to have the book right there, right there. But they will not turn because they love their sin. That's... So the, the fifth trumpet, it sounds, and, and, and I just gave you four simple points. The first is this the bottomless pit is opened. So I saw a star, and and we there was a star that that we saw in chapter eight. But that was an asteroid, meteorite. That was a a a landmass. This star is not that type of star because notice it says I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him was given. It's a person. This star is a person, and notice he had fallen. He had fallen. I believe that this person is Satan, and if you want to see his fall, you can go over to Isaiah chapter fourteen. Isaiah chapter fourteen, where where Satan is is uh, fallen from the the. Well, it's it's not just the presence, but his standing before God. Let's put it that way: his standing before God in Isaiah fourteen verse twelve. How. You are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down from the ground, you who, are in, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most... High uh, And then notice the verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Now, question. Do we ever see Satan... I mean, is, was he thrown down and chained? Or, or is he still able to access God? Access God, right? Job. Remember Job, the story? It was him that went... And uh, ask God, okay? So again, even though he is thrown down from his standing, he still has access, if you will. Uh, and I think that's an important piece, because you're going to find a, another person that has that is, uh, as it were, ruling over the bottomless pit, and it isn't Satan, okay? So I believe him here is Satan. It could be a fallen angel, but I believe it's probably more likely. Um, again, he, had, he has... He has been banished from heaven, but he still has access to heaven. And I think this is uh, Satan. But notice what he, what he's given. He's given the key. The key. Now again, we know that Jesus Christ has the key. In fact, over in uh, Revelation chapter 1, it says, uh, oh, I may not be able to find it right offhand. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I shouldn't turn without me. But he has the keys of of death and hell. Oh yeah, uh, verse 18, and I have the keys of Hades and death. Um, so Christ has the keys, but now a key is passed, and, and whenever you see the word key, it's, think of this, authority. He has the right to open. So here we have uh, the star, and the star is Satan, and to him was given, now this is the judgment, that to him was given from God the key, the authority to what? to the bottomless pit. The the word is abyssos; It means abyss. And he opened the bottomless pit. Literally, it's the pit of the abyss. He literally is able to open it. And that word, abyssos, appears seven times in Revelation. And it's always in reference to this, quote, to the abode of the incarcerated demons. The, The abyss, the bottomless pit, always points to who's in the bottomless pit, the incarcerated demons. So this, This one, this star, is given the the key to open up, as it were, the shaft. I think one of the versions said the shaft of the bottomless pit and to release the demons that are in that pit. I mean, it's, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And you might ask, well, wait, I, I thought demons, I mean, there are some demons that are literally chained, and they're still chained. Uh, if you want to have maybe where they came from, let's go to Second Peter chapter 2, 2 uh, Peter, no, let's go to Jude chapter 6, Jude 6, uh, it might be, apparently there are some fallen angels, and that's what demons are, fallen angels. That are so wicked, so vile, that they have been chained. Now, we do know from, the, uh, from some of the uh, like um, the demons that Jesus cast out of different people, there are still demons in this, in this world. There's demons on this earth. Apparently still demons able to do a lot of damage, right? It's not just Satan, it's demons. But then there are some so vile that they've been chained. If you go to Jude 6, it says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Verse 7, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, to these, the, the, the demons, having given themselves over to strange immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example of uh, as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Um, you remember what happened when the angels walked to Sodom and Gomorrah? And again, Sodom and Gomorrah was known for homosexuality. But what did the men of Sodom and Gomorrah want to do with those angels? They wanted to have sex with them, right? Intimacy. Now, there's also a time over in if you go to Genesis chapter six because that's why he brings it up. See, he brings it up because in Jude, it was the angels that the men were approaching the angels. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 6. And it says Now it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth that the daughters were born to them that the sons of God <coughs> saw the, that the sons of God most likely those are angels saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty. They were given on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of men came to the daughters of men that they bore children. Now, possibly what happened was this. Angels sought to have intimacy with women. That's what I believe that's what it's talking about there. Now, if that happened and was able to uh, be accomplished, you would have an unredeemable group right there. Because Christ came to represent man. And if angel with a woman able to have a child could not represent man. And I know there's some conflict. And I debate about even going down this path. But I believe what is... What these demons are in this bottomless pit are the most vile, the most wicked, and possibly are represented out of Genesis chapter 6. Okay. In other words, God got them, literally not just, not just defeated them, but put them in the bottomless pit and then locked them away. I believe in Peter, when Christ preaches, he also goes and basically tells them, I have conquered. They're the worst of the worst. And now, I believe it's Satan who is given the ability to open the bottomless pit so that the worst of the worst demons are now able to infiltrate uh, this world. They're they going to, and it's like smoke billows forth from this prison house of wickedness. And as one man said, these locusts will ooze from the abyss. Well, let's, let's go from the bottomless pit to the locust unleashed. Verse 3. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. Now I want to say immediately, these are not locusts. When you go to verses 7 through 11, you know this. They're, they are demons. These are not locusts. Because he kept. he's used the word like, I think, ten times. Like. Like. He's going to go back. Like. The, the things that are described in verses uh, 7 through 11 are, are not locusts. But, but John is trying to describe something that he understands with something that he's looking at and he can't, he's just trying to, you know, from the known to the unknown. So the, these are locusts came from the, uh, upon the earth and to them was given power as the, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass. That's what, uh, that's what locusts do. Locusts eat grass. Um, harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. But only those men who, now, now catch this, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them. See, they couldn't kill them. By the way, demons can kill man. Satan is a, is a, is a, is a murderer. Uh, man can kill man. Satan can kill man. Demons can kill man. But these, these demons are told, you could kill, but you're not going to kill. You can't kill them. But to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. So first of all, we see their identification. It's interesting, as I read different, <laughs> over the years how people in church history has, have interpreted these locusts. Um, people have said, well, these locusts are the goths. I mean, you know, getting back to Britain. Uh, the heretics, the Mohammedans, the Jesuits, the Turks, the Protestants. I mean, it went on and on. These are, no, no, these locusts are none of those. They are demonic. They're from the pit, they're from the abyss. They're not any of those people. Um, these are, as one man said, a swarm of insect like creatures emerge from the smoke. Though when John describes them in more detail in verses seven to nineteen or seven to eleven, we realize these are no locusts, no, the, no, they are demons. Remember, John was using words and images of his of his world as he attempted to describe the spiritual realities, which have quote no direct parallel. So he's just saying there, you know, how do you describe something you've never seen and the people that you're uh, writing to have never seen? Again, these are locusts, uh, demonic beings in material visible form, which is important because demons normally don't have a body, but now they have a, a physical form. Second uh, Peter verse two, chapter 2, verse 4, uh, it says, For if God did not spare the fallen angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, I think that Second Peter 2, 4 is also referring to these demons. It's, it's the ones that uh, God has cast into Tartarus or hell. Now again, these are demons. And, and I would, if you would say what, prove it. I would say, first of all, they have a leader. And we see the leader ver, uh, in verse 1. It's unlocked, but then we see the leader in uh, verse 11. Well, we know this of locusts. They have no leader. That's part of the problem with a locust plague. It's not like a... Uh, um, It's not like honeybees. Dad used to have honeybees. And it was interesting because I was able to get a swarm one time, you know, where they swarm onto another tree, like you have their box here and swarm. And all all that was necessary to get that, that whole swarm was one, if you could get the queen and get her in a box, all those workers would just go to the queen. Because honeybees have a leader. But when it comes to locusts, they have no leader. But yet here, these... Have a leader. Uh, that would be one. And then the other thing is um, just the fact of the description. Okay? So, there's, there's other things that we could say, but we have to go on for time. Uh, let's see here. Now, one of the things about locusts is that they, are, they terrorize. I mean, they were the, like as were the plague of the biblical time. Because what they would do... Yeah, that's the locust. You know, like our grasshopper. Do I have my thing? Um... Do you have the next one? Yeah, that's... Now, th- this, is what, this is why it's so terrorizing. This is the tree before the locust. This is the same tree right after the locust. I mean, when they go through, literally in less than a day, it's gone. I mean, when they came through, it, you know, obviously billions and billions of... now. I'm talking now literal locusts literal locusts, when they would come through, they would just eat every green thing. And so entire crops, I mean, that meant death to the people who depended on agriculture. And they just came through. And, and the size of the, the uh, swarms was unbelievable. Well, do you have a... Yeah, look, can you imagine walking through that? Those are all locusts right there. I mean, the whole, but yet that was just localized. This is worldwide. This is not insects. This is demons. But John is pulling and saying, listen, when God releases this plague, this trumpet judgment, there's going to come the filth and the vileness out of the pit, and it's going to surround the world. Okay? Yeah, this is a person. But again, if it's localized, they would try to get him off the plants. Um, areas up to 400 square mile can be covered by locusts. Now, 400 square miles, I should have looked this up. That is... That is what, that 400 square miles, what is that, 20, 20 by 20? Then I also found, um, there was one plague, the worst locust plague in modern history, in modern, is from the 1950s and 52, when in Iraq, Iran, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia, every green and growing thing was devoured across, now catch this one, hundreds of thousands of square miles. Locusts eat grain, leaves, stalk, I mean, everything right down. So when I say 20 by 20, yeah, that's, that's a small locust plague and they just move. But sometimes they're hundreds of miles wide and hundreds of miles deep and it just moves like an eating machine. Um, and so, yeah, that would be frightening. Now that's frightening enough if it's an insect. Can you imagine if it's a demon? Okay. Now well, let's look at their limitation their limitation, and we pick this up in the second part of verse 3. The power is unleashed, but they can only do certain damage. Note that their power will be given to them, verse 3, and to them was given power. So these demons, now again, we're not talking insects here. We're talking demons. The vilest of the worst. That's why God chained them. But now, this is the end of the earth. This is the end of this part, as far as tribulation. And so God unleashes Against ungodly man, ungodly demons, okay? But they're, they're given per, permission, they're given power. It's the word exousia. Uh, actually, when Jesus said, all power is given to me, same word. Actually, Jesus controls this whole thing, right? He's the one opening up the seals. So these demons are given power, they're given permission Number two, they will not be permitted to harm the things that locusts usually devour. Again, we know they're not locusts because they're not going to eat vegetation and crops and grass. Look at verse four. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. So these are not your average hungry locusts. The only thing that they're going to attack is people. Look at number three. Number three. Although they will, be told to har- they will be told to harm humans, they can only inflict their torment on certain people. Because the second part of verse 4 says, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their, on their foreheads. That's the ungodly. So the 144,000, they're not going to be affected. They're not going to be stung. They're not going to be tortured. I think it's also good to say any person up to that point who has received Christ as their Savior will not be affected. I believe it's not just 144,000, any of those who are truly God's saints. Because what is the purpose of this? This is to judge, and this is also uh, to, to get the person to turn to God. So again, if a person's already received Christ, then there's no need to be stung. So I believe that it's, it's uh, only those who are unbelievers. And then number four, they will be given authority to torment, but not to kill. Look at, look at verse 5, and they again, not given authority to kill them, but to torment them. Pain, torture. And, and, and then he says, because, uh, um, you know, I could hold a whole, uh, whole handful of locusts. They're not going to hurt me. But see, they have a sting like a scorpion. Normal scorpion, or normal locusts don't have that. But this one has uh, like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. And, and I, I did a little bit of research. When a scorpion stings, apparently there's an excruciating, burning, debilitating pain. In fact, there was one guy out, I think, in, in uh, Arizona. <laughs> like, what they won't do to get on YouTube? Anyways, the guy takes a scorpion, lets himself be stung. And then he immediately he says this. Oh, all right. My finger's gone numb. Yeah, and then like 10 minutes later, you know, he's doing the video, a friend doing the video. Yeah, and and now my hand is starting to turn numb. And like it was an hour later, and now my whole arm is numb. After 24 hours, he died. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Now, by the way, normally scorpions don't kill. I mean, unless it's, there's a couple, one of them is in Phoenix, or in the Arizona area, that, that bark, scorpion, I think they call it, That's one of the most lethal. And if it stings a child, many times the child will die. But the point is, it's excruciating pain. Okay, especially, uh, you know, you got to believe in this scenario, there will be, you know, you're not going to be, the person's not going to be stung once. There's a swarm. They're going to be stung multiple times. And so it's great torment. Uh, These are some of the symptoms of a scorpion sting. Numbness difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, seizures, difficulty breathing. You fall on the ground many times. You grind your teeth and foam at the mouth. Which sounds a lot like when a person is demon-possessed. John Phillips, in his commentary, writes this, Picture what the world will be like if we were to open the doors of all the penitentiaries of the earth and set free the world's most vicious, and violent criminals giving them full reign to practice their infamies upon mankind. Something worse than that lies in store for the world. Satan, cast out of heaven, is now permitted to summon to his aid the most diabolical fiends in the abyss to act as his agents in bringing mankind to the footstool of the beast. End quote. So, great, great pain writhing pain, as it were. Number five, God will place a limit of five months. Again, four or five months, 150 days. interesting, that is the life cycle of an average locust. Okay, April to September, five months, that's how long they live. Again, these are not insects, these are demons. And then finally, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual agony these people will experience will drive them mad. In those days, men will seek death, they will not find it. I mean, let's say they got stung 10 times by this this demon, the ability to cause pain. And and, and, by the way, they try to kill themselves. They try to commit suicide. The gun doesn't work. The, 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 The poison doesn't kill. And maybe it's because God has supernaturally said, you will not die. The other point is this. It might be because they're in such writhing pain, they can't even do it right. Ding! You know, they, you know because, you know, I think about the pain and the suffering, okay? So again, it's just, I want to die. I want to get out of here. And, and during this time, the 144,000, the witnesses are preaching. God keeps saying, turn, turn to me. And many do. Well, let's look at the appearance, and we're just going to have to really rush through this. Again, ten times... The word like is used at least ten times in this passage. Starting in verse 7. This is, this is like. This is what they're like. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. What do you mean uh, horses? Like horses prepared for battle. Have you ever seen any movies? The horses, uh, they're ready. Okay? Well, think about this. Demons put into the penitentiary of the abyss... And now are let out to do their damage. They have been waiting for centuries to destroy and to hurt. So they're like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns. That's uh, stephana uh, The victor's crown of something like gold. In other words, they're victorious. What do you mean? They're invincible. They're unstoppable. They're not able to be conquered. There's no weapon that can harm them. How can you stop A a, a horde of demons. Number three, and their faces were like the faces of men. MacArthur said this, it indicates they were intelligent, rational beings. Faces like men. By the way, can you go right back to, to the last picture? Don't picture these like this. The one where he has the guy... Yeah, let, let me just show you this picture, because when you're reading this, I, or uh, studying this, I don't want you to think in these terms, no, the, the, uh, the PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, when people read this passage, then they try to develop, oh, this is what it's going to look like, you know, this is a huge, this is a guy, this is a huge, you know, he's got a face of a man, you know, he's got the, you know, the horse, and he's got the hair of a woman, and no, 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 like, Key word is like. He's just saying, listen, the characteristics. What, what, what is a, a horse ready for battle? <laughs> you know, he wants, to, he wants to terrorize. Okay? I mean, what does it mean he, ha- he wears a crown? doesn't mean he li- wear, they wear a literal crown. I mean, don't look at it like this. Okay? <laughs> no, it, it means he's conquering. Face of a man. Intelligent. Ability, Right? Uh, they had the hair like a woman. They're, I'm not sure. Although a woman, the glory of, of a woman is her hair. Maybe they're seductive, alluring. You know, They come, but you, the, you know, the people who are being stung don't realize the terror uh, found within them. How about this? Uh, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. Well, we can understand that. What is a lion's teeth? Powerful, right? <clears throat> Vicious, fierce. Dominant, penetrating, whatever, like lion's teeth. Their sting, their ability. I mean, who knows? It might be like this. When, when, when these demons come, they grab a hold of a person and keep stinging. Um, they had the breastplates of, uh, like breastplates of iron. What did the breastplate do? The breastplate do? protects the soldiers, the vital organs. So in other words, they're invulnerable, invincible, unconquerable, indestructible. You can't destroy them. The horde comes in. If you're found in this path in, in an unbeliever, you're going to be damaged. Probably, by the way, it's not the whole world. They come up out of the pit and then they move for five months. Okay, oh, now they're coming to Europe. Oh, now they're going to Iraq. Oh, now they're going to Sudan. And, this, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Again, fast, unstoppable. You know, sound of chariots, just overwhelming. And they had, and they had tails like scorpions. This is the third time he mentions the word scorpion. And their stings in their tail, and their power was to hurt men for five months. That's, that was their purpose. That was their purpose, to hurt men. The purpose that God allowed for them to hurt men. Why? Because through that pain, hopefully those men would turn men and women would turn to the Savior. Not only that, but to judge the earth. Okay? That was the sole purpose. Not to kill, just to hurt. And if you want to get some examples of demonic, uh, demonic activity in the Bible, I mean, think about the maniac of Gadara. He was tormented by demons. And he was, it, it describes him as insane, okay? uh, self-destructive, paralysis. I mean, these are some of the things we find in the New Testament when demons were present in a person, okay? Self-destructed, paralyzed, uh, falling into the fire, paralysis, insane, living in tombs, you know, I mean, you get all the torments. So the torments of the scorpion, it's not only painful, but it makes you go, as it were, insane. And then finally, look at verse 11. You have the king of the abyss. And they had a king Normal locusts don't have a king. In fact, Proverbs 30, 30 verse 27 says, The locusts have no king. And I think John, verse 11, says they have a king over them to say these are not insects we're talking about. This is from the pit. Those who God determined to chain in everlasting darkness. So they have a king over them. Oh, now notice this, the angel of the bottomless pit. Now again, some would say, well, well, that must be Satan. But wait a second, in Ephesians 6 it says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Satan is not bound at this moment. Satan, like in Job, was able to access God. Uh, there is coming a time in, in Revelation 20 when Satan is bound and, and thrown in the lake of fire. There is coming a time when he is bound, but th- he's not bound now. That's why Peter says, you know, he goes about as a roaring lion. So who is this? Who is this angel? This must be, a, let's say, Satan's hierarchy. This must be a ranking demon whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. That means destruction. And, but in Greek it means Apollyon. That means destroyer. Well, you get the point. Why are these demons? What, who is this? They're all here to destroy. By the way, anything that's not of God, it destroys. We have to remember that. So this high-ranking demon um, is the one that's going to lead. And again, look at verse 12. One woe is past. Wow. We just took 40 minutes. Wow. I mean, if you start really thinking about what's... Wow. I mean, God is judging. God is going to judge this earth. One woe is past. Behold, two more woes are coming after these. And there's only going to be a brief, just a momentary uh, relief. And then verse 13, and the sixth angel sounds. And then in a little bit of, after that, the seventh angel. And then the bold judgments. And everything ends. You know, as, as I was thinking through this message, I, I usually have very clear, this is what I want you to, as it were, remember. <clears throat> but the things that came out is this. God judges sin. You know, live for Christ, live for His purposes, because there is no, there's no uh, future for this earth. You know, sometimes we try to build our, our little kingdom. Man, as you go through Revelation, you know what I keep challenging myself? You know, Lord, let me live for Your purposes. Let me live for Your purposes, because there is no future for this earth. I mean, it's all going to be damaged. Yes, Jesus comes back, millennial kingdom, I understand, but you know, don't live to make your little kingdom, live for Christ's kingdom. I, that would be the first lesson. The second lesson is this, that God is merciful. I mean, thank you, Lord, that you gave the first six seals. Then the seventh one is open, and only a third of the earth was, was, um, was affected in the first four trumpets. And then this trumpet, what did we find? Yes, there is terror. There is pain. These demons do inflict pain. But again, they're not omnipresent. They're going to be localized. And there will be like a swarm. And I'm assuming that it's like a swarm. And yes, they will ultimately, I think, cover the earth. But it's only for five months. It's limited. And notice that God is powerful, isn't he? It was given to them. I mean, it said it over and over. It was given to them. This is what you can do. This is your parameter. Which, again, for us, we have to say, you know, thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty. Thank you for your providence. And thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Because, again, you give man time to repent. And I would, I would encourage you, if you've never received Christ, maybe you're religious, you come to this church, maybe you're a member, maybe you're even a leader but you've never put your faith and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, then today needs to be the day where you turn from your sin and you turn to Him as your only Savior. Lord, you are the only one that can save me from my sin, that can forgive my sins, that can make me a new creation in you. But again, that's, that's the heart of God. God calls people to Himself. And even in this tremendously, the worst time of all human history, God is still merciful. And the, and the final thing is this. Again, in the sense of the physical, God uses physical disasters to communicate spiritual message. God uses the physical to, because again, he's using physical judgments to bring people to himself. See, it's not just about judgment. There is that. But he, to bring people to himself. And I think I mentioned last week uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I'll close with this. Pain insists upon on being attended to. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pain. He whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our uh, consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. That's what he's doing here. He's arousing a deaf world. A world that says uniformity, no, always will be, we, we are the uh, masters of our own destiny. God breaks into this world and says, no, you're not. And I'm going to even inflict pain, and the pain should draw you to me. The pain is used to draw, the, that's what it's supposed to do. But again, what, is, what does pain do? Some will be drawn to the Savior, And many, if not most, will not be. Most will shake their fist. You have just attacked my God, small g, and I reject you, and as we read earlier, I blaspheme you. But the question is, how does pain affect you? When you go through pain, maybe it's the pain of a loss of a a person, or an aspiration, or whatever that pain is in your life. Maybe it's a health issue, a financial issue, something that you considered very, very important, and God has taken it away. How do you respond? How do you respond? I keep going back to my... How do I respond? Do I shake my fist and say, how dare you? Or do you submit and say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. How do you... Deal with pain in your own life because we know the ungodly, what do they do? Reject God. But for a believer who knows that God is our Father and that He loves us, Lord, not my will, but Yours be done. Let's stand as we worship Him.